everyone. Thanks for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. In this episode, I have a chance to talk with leadership expert Jody Ono, who's a professor in Tokyo, and she's starting a brand new course about sustainability and leadership, which we talk about, as well as all of her ideas for training future leaders which have so many interesting parallels to sustainability concepts. Let's talk a little bit about your background before we dive into all your great insights and ideas for education. Uh, you have lived and worked in the U.S. and Europe. You spent some time in Sweden and, of course, Japan as well. Have you always been interested in leadership and the value of, of leadership for business? No, I have not. Uh, it's come to me rather late in my career. I would say late, you know, about midway. And I will say, um, I can go on about this a long time, but I will say that I spent about the first half of my career working with um, very highly trained uh, economists um, who were doing very serious economic policy work and also some very, very theoretical financial economics work. And that was my, uh, that was my work setting. And when you are in a certain work setting for a long time, you develop certain biases and, and uh, ways of thinking about things. And leadership, you know, as you know, is uh, not an exact science. And this is at a time when economists were trying very hard to uh, convey that economics is an exact science, although it is a, it is a, a social science. Um, there was, uh, during the 1990s, a, a big push, 80s and 90s, a very big push in economics to quantify as much as possible uh, to do uh, quantitative modeling, theoretical modeling, uh, and at that time a field like leadership was not very, um, I would say, highly regarded by uh, the people that I was around. Um, but I did notice that some very, very successful academics um, saw the value of leadership thinking and tried to integrate um, the more humanities-based way of looking at economics and they tried to combine that with quanti quantitative analysis and those were the people whom I found very very inspiring to work with yeah and wow. so later yeah. on, yes, it was, anyway, yes, that was a short answer. No, I have not always been interested. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now what you're teaching at Hitosubachi is uh, you're teaching MBA students, you're teaching students who want to be business leaders. Now, what is, and maybe we'll talk about this later um, as we talk more about your ideas, but what is the motivation for your students to want to study how to be better? leaders? Is it to make more money? Is it to be more powerful? I'm, all, I'm interested in the motivation for young people. Why do they take on that course of study? Uh, at the moment, these days, I'm teaching MBA students. And I've taught other kinds of students before. I started out teaching undergrads 
in Texas who had, you know, were coming to me from all different kinds of fields. They had all different kinds of motivations. Um, at the moment with the MBA students, I would say that, you know, there's a selection that goes on when people apply to an MBA program. Generally, they're interested in a career in business. And generally, people who want to go into business, you know, do, wa do want to create sustain financially sustainable and viable organizations. And they want to be part of those and they want to contribute to those. So, yes, there's a financial factor and there's a financial consideration in, in getting an MBA because um, normally it costs quite a bit of money to, to get an MBA and there's an expect expectation of financial reward coming in the career after that. Hito Subashi, by the way, where I teach is a public school, so the MBA is very reasonably priced. But generally, MBA students are, are kind of of that, of that mindset coming into the program. But I find that over the course of the year or two that they study, they develop other ways of thinking about business. And that is one of our goals uh, where, where I teach, and especially in my leadership teaching. I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from wanting to make money. Uh, not at all. Um, of course, we all understand the value of income in uh, contributing to ways that we can realize uh, greater life satisfaction. But I do try to marry that uh, desire that they may have with a substantive approach to purpose and uh, a reason to lead. Yeah. So important. Uh, one of the slides that you sent me, I was really interested and kind of intrigued to see the traditions of leadership that you lay out for your students. I found that so interesting, like almost a historical perspective of leadership over time. Yes. So I was very, very lucky. Um, I was actually mentored in leadership development instruction on a one-on-one -on -one basis um, when I started teaching leadership development for Texas A&M Corps of Cadets. And my mentor talked to me a lot about how leadership, what was valued in leadership and what people thought of as a leadership had changed over time. And we, we had discussions that covered uh, really uh, many, many centuries. Um, what a luxury it was to be mentored in that way we had time to have these conversations. And what I took away from that was that leadership is, um, it's uh, an art form, it's, it's um, a behavioral endeavor, but it's mainly rooted in personal development. If it's going to be in any way reliable, consistent, sustainable, if it's going to be some, a platform that we can work from. And so as I looked back across time, I realized that many of the tenets of leadership now uh, have very, very ancient roots. Most of what we talk about now, that you can see on the screen there, the influence, empowerment, transcendent, um, these were all uh, tenets of very, very early leadership thinking. Like if you look back at, at Plato and, and even Confucius and Lao Tzu, you look back and you, and you can see, oh my gosh, you know, people have always been thinking about these things. This is not something that's come to us because we have business schools and we have military academies. You know, it's, it's, some, it's a human concern. It's a human fascination. 
And I think, you know, that's what I want to impart to my students that this is not a leadership is not an undertaking where you kind of learn to manipulate people uh, in an innovative way and you practice gimmicks on them to get them to do what you want them to do. This is the lowest form of leadership. Um, and very often that will devolve into something other than leadership is just straight up manipulation. So um, in order to avoid that in the world, I try to give my, my students a sense of the historical gravity of what they're doing. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's it's important to think about, of course, leadership is not a new concept uh, for governance or for community development or for almost anything, as well as business. Really interesting. No, I'm, gonna, I'm actually turning off my camera. I'm going to turn it back okay. on again to see what okay. we can do here. Yes, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with the camera. It's, no, no, you're yes. fine. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you want me to talk to authentic leadership? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, okay. So historically, and then also in modern times, uh, talking about the best practices for leadership would be what you're laying out here, authentic leadership. Is that right? Right. So authentic leadership has been with us, um, you know, for, for a couple of decades. Um, and it's been kind of, it's been... Uh, how would I say, kind of worked. It's been, it's like a, a dough that's been, been worked, been needed uh, in, in, in the last couple of decades. Um, there are many, many books on it. Uh, it's um, a good, it's a very good, uh, I think, way of thinking about leadership. And it basically is, you know, that um, we need to be comfortable with who we are in order to be comfortable presenting that to others. Some people think it means just be yourself, but that's not really what it means because sometimes just being yourself might not um, get the the kinds of uh, relationship that you want to have. You may, you may need to uh, sort of practice a little bit of self-awareness and metacognition about yourself in order to create the kind of relationship that that you want to have uh, which would be the leadership and, and and followership relationship so it's more about being self-aware more than it is about being yourself so um, I try to work with my students on deepening self-awareness in order to and that means you know self-awareness means means being aware of, of course, your capacities, your talents, but also your limitations, um, your failings, uh, your times when you may have disappointed yourself, uh, times when, when, you know, you, something bad may have happened to you and, and you just kind of pushed it aside and, and moved on, but actually you never really took the time to process properly. And, and, and sometimes with my students, we go back to those things. And that, that turns out to be very, very uh, insightful for their leadership development because it, it lets them know, okay, this is how I deal with adversity. This is how I deal with setbacks. And is this a way that I can, is there a way that I can work on that? So authentic leadership is not just about being yourself, it's about working on yourself. Yeah. And I, I saw uh, in another article, maybe the the Nikkei 
uh, article that you wrote, you co-wrote with um, Ben Foraker, who was on the show last week, yes. talking about asking stakeholders and having a view of diverse and inclusive feedback into leadership. And I thought that was so important. Also, the reevaluating of situations over and over again. These are key properties of anything that we talk about in sustainability. And of course, it really applies to leadership as well. Yes. So I think, you know, that that article was important to me because it encapsulates something that I've been thinking a lot about uh, with respect to Japan and Japanese companies. I think Japan is really at a time in his, I'm not a Japan expert. I'm not, I'm, I'm much more uh, practiced in European history and culture and, you know, American politics. That's really more my, my realm. I'm not a kind of, I'm not, I'm not a Japan person. I'm not an East Asian studies person, but since, since being here and, 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 you know, having, you know, interacted with, with uh, Japanese people and organizations now very intensely, I, I, and, and of course, just watching the society and being part of the society, I think Japan's at a really interesting time because they, they're in a position to choose the way they want the next 20 years to look for themselves. And, um, What's got them, it's the old leadership max, maxim from Marshall Goldsmith that is, what got you here won't get you there. <laughs> and is, you know, is doing the same thing you've always done going to get you to that place where you feel uh, that you are being the best you can be and contribute on, on a level that you feel that you, you deserve to be contributing. And so I feel that Japan is in a place where they will need to broaden their conceptualization of what the stakeholders are for its government, for its companies. Um, these uh, organizations and, and institutions of society were created, uh, especially the ones created after World War II, to serve and develop the domestic economy. And they did that beautifully. Um, they created a very large and healthy middle class. Um, they they achieved uh, a, a raise in, in living standards that that was just inspiring the whole world, right? And that other Asian countries um, strive to emulate. But now uh, they they need to, I think, um, just maybe remodel a little bit and and broaden their scope of what they think of as who are our stakeholders, um, who are the people that our companies wish to serve, um, how do we define that scope in a way that is going to put us in a good place in the twenty first century. Yeah. I, I like this this part of the article. Prior to any target setting, how diverse groups within the company debate questions like how do we define society and what is the value we offer to it defined as such? What assumptions do we make about our stakeholders? Are they outdated? What do our stakeholders, all of them, want us to be? And I thought, wow, these are great leadership questions. I love it. <laughs> Yes, that's uh, that's very much that's very very close to the kinds of questions that I ask my students. I ask them, you know, what do you want from your leaders? Like when people that people whom you, in your life whom you've thought of as leaders, 
what do you really want from them and and you know what how do you how do how do you think they view you um what is what is um and yourself as a leader if you think of yourself as acting as a leader what do you want others to experience from that leadership what is the experience that you want other people to have as a result of the act of you leading I think this is a very, very uh, important question um, in terms to, to take the focus off, I'm leading because I'm the leader. This is not a good platform for leadership. A much better, more rewarding approach is going to be, how can I serve the people I'm striving to lead? And how can I get them to understand our purpose, our mission in a way that resonates with them. Because my, my mentor always said to me, you know, we lead with the heart first and then the head. You don't go in a room and try and, 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 and hit everyone over the head with your, with your expertise and your knowledge. That's going to alienate people. That's not going to bring them to you. And so when you go in a room of people that maybe you've been appointed to a new position, so much in our society is telling us, go in there and show them what you got, right? And then we interpret that as, I'm going to show them how much I know. I'm going to show them how fast I can calculate this or that. I'm going to show them, you know, what I know about, you know, shareholder X, Y, Z. But actually, <laughs> okay, maybe there are some settings where that might be effective. But I think most of them these days are about, connecting with the heart first. And that, that can be a very, very simple, very, very simple exchange. Say something that happened to you that day. You, you notice something about someone. You ask someone a question. And you see there in the, those books, the questions are the answer. Really like that book because we are so focused on solutions, answers, even education systems, you know, what score did you get? How many how many answers did you get? How'd you do how well did you do on this exam? Did you get the answers right? Well, okay, you know that I understand that we have to measure performance somehow. We have to we have to we have to assess learning. Yes, we do. But if we overfocus on answers and we don't think enough about the questions we're asking, we are doing ourselves a disservice by not being open-minded enough about the kind of knowledge that we want to have. Yeah, absolutely. I love this this concept of management versus leadership. Leadership is not management. Yeah. And leadership is a relationship that you, you talk about with your students, having a relationship with your stakeholders, um, being humble. These are all uh, aspects of leadership that we admire, that we want to emulate, right? Yes. So, so I... Those are my leadership essentials from, from one of my classes. Uh, the first one about leadership and management, um, we often use them interchangeably, especially in organizational settings. Um, you, military uh, organizations will not use them interchangeably. They will separate them out. 
but in business settings, we we often um, commingle them. And one, th this is actually the first thing that I teach my students is we need to get clear on how we distinguish between leadership and management. Put very simply, uh, management is about how we allocate and use resources to to um, work towards a goal. It's, it's about how we use existing resources, how we, uh, for example, we understand the constraints we have, um, and it's about getting people, time, talent to, to, to be arranged in a way that is going to achieve results. Leadership is about, uh, is about as I say, a relationship among people. Is there, is there a relationship, is there a dynamic established in which there is unification on what the goal is to be achieved and an understanding of what that what the purpose is and what the related goals are so so man, man, leadership is about setting direction it's about um it's about motivating uh to get people um, excited about what they're doing to 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 help them connect personally to what they're doing Oh, you're 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 going through all my photos here. Yeah. Oh, I've lost the sound. Oh. That was my bad. Uh, I muted myself. We're having loads okay. of technical difficulties today. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm trying to match what you're talking about. But of course, like sustainability, everything that I want to talk about is connected to everything else that you're talking about. But I hope that we're creating some kind of logical order for the, the audience. I love this, this vision board that you have. Was this about what makes a good leader? Tell us about this. Actually, that's from my session on leadership and followership. And so I ask uh, half the class to write down uh, what do you want from your leaders? And I ask the other uh, half of the class to write down what do you want from your followers? And um, what strikes them every time is that they're just remarkably similar. You would not expect that, would you? No, but, but when you think about it, if you want to have a good working relationship, you 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 basically want the same thing, right? We we want listening, we want to we want to be seen and heard, uh, we want clarity, uh, we want the ability to again, resilience, the the ability to overcome setbacks. Um, you know, we we want uh, transparency. <laughs> These are all these are common to leadership and followership, and and I think uh, one of the biggest misconceptions about leadership and followership is, is that they're two ends of of, a, of some spectrum, but they're actually not. They're two sides of one coin. They are connected. They are related. They are two sides of one thing. And it is very, very difficult to be, I would say, a good leader without a very deep understanding of what good followership is. And good followership is very, very close to leadership. Yeah, that's really interesting. It seems counterintuitive, but when you think about it carefully, of course it makes sense. You want a lot of the same key attributes, don't you? 
Yes, and you, you also don't want to, it, I am always um, warning my students, please not to have a binary way of viewing leadership and followership, that oh, I'm the leader, they're the followers, and that's, and that's it. You know, that, that's a very, I would say, primitive way of looking at these two very important uh, skill sets. Uh, being a good follower takes um, tremendous analytical skills. It takes depth of character in order to allow yourself as a high performer to be led. Takes a lot of character. Uh, take, takes a lot of, um, I would say, humility. And when we say humility, we don't we don't mean subjecting yourself to others. It just means allowing someone else to take the lead and being comfortable and confident enough to to let that happen and to promote that along with the leader. Yeah. Um, one of the key points that, that you talked about, which I also saw in your other writing, I saw in your interviews um, with Tove and uh, Gavin for Global Perspectives, is a, the concept of worldview. Can you talk about worldview a little bit? Oh, now, Joy, you're going to regret this because worldview is my favorite topic. Oh, no, I love it. Go for it. Go for it. So worldview is my own. Again, this is coming out of my, my mentorship back in Texas. I, if, if you can, there's, it's, so it's what you see around you and what you believe ought to be in the world. So if you can find, I don't know if you can go back in, in the slide deck and find that uh, graphic with the circle with the different aspects of leadership. So um, it is my strong conviction is it that it, integrity? it's the one called the, the right self. Yes, the right self. Okay. Yeah. So the right, the right self is my own framework that I developed um, over time. Took took me a number of years to develop this, and I call it the right self because I I say to my students, you know, when when we lead, when we're leading consistently, convincingly, and with with our hearts and minds aligned, we are leading with our right self. And if you see worldview there, for me, worldview is a source of everything because world worldview is how we experience the world and how we experience the world is going to give rise to all kinds of things that we use. We're going to make assumptions based on how we see the world. We're going to formulate beliefs. And that very, very basic concept of ourselves being interacting in the world is going to be the platform from which we lead. Now, worldview is, for many people, something that goes unexamined. Um, it is very often provided to us um, by parents, by caregivers, by influencers in our lives. Um, if, for some people, it may be, you know, if they're very strongly religious, they may, you know, kind of inherit worldview from their, from their religion. But what I do with my students, and th those are not bad things, but, but I, would, I want my students to pull their worldviews up, out, and look at them and think, why do I have this worldview? What made me think about the world this way? More, even more importantly, what made me think about people this way? Why do I make assumptions about people? And, and, and where does that come from? Because if we can question those, 
And if we can get decent answers to those questions, we have come so much farther in being able to be intentional about the worldview. Okay, I see this world out there. Am I, am I content with it? Do I think it's, everything's just great? Or, or do I think there are some things that ought to be changed? And if I think there are some things that ought to be changed, um, maybe that's a clue to my personal purpose. Uh, maybe that's something that I can integrate into my career development. Uh, and, and so that is our starting point. And I will say that students, also I work with executives on this, people are really, really respond to this well. We have millions and millions of managers and executives out in the world running very, very serious organizations and political parties and government agencies and countries who may have never been asked the question, how do you view the world and all the people in it? And I think that very, very simple question, for me, you can't teach leadership development without it. So once we start from that worldview, we move this this right self is basically a progression uh, of of concepts of leadership, well-known leadership con concepts that I've tried to put into some kind of sequence in terms of how they how they build upon one another. So worldview is very heart based, right? It's very very close, very deep within us. And purpose also is very close to our heart. We, our, motivations is, 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 our motivations are not an intellectual exercise. They're an emo emotive exercise. But as we move around the circle, we get closer and closer to what's cognitive. All right. So, so out of purpose, we, we can derive our values and principles. Okay. Values, you know, honesty, integrity, you know, these, you know, uh, Resilience, things I want to choose about my values, but principles tell us how I express those, right? And then, of course, ethics and morals are, you know, how do I make judgment calls? And then, then we go very, this is moving very much into cognitive thinking, right? Not emotive thinking. This is about, and so you see heart on one side of the circle and head on the other. And that from when, we, when we've got all that in place, we can really start to articulate a vision rooted in everything else that, we, that we've thought about intentionally. Uh, and this is kind of my framework for how I teach leadership. And then that arrow um, that says learning, it, I start out having the word experience there because students understand that experience uh, will, if you let it, it will let you, uh, it will inform your worldview. But actually more important than experience is learning because we can have many, many experiences and, and learn nothing. So um, the learning has to be intentional. So, and of course, the integrity in the middle is the glue um, holding it all together. And it, integrity, of course, means oneness. And the idea here is that this is a system. In order to lead consistently, you need to think of yourself as, as an integrated system. One of one of the things I was I was going to say about the learning aspect is the exposure to different points of view, to different cultures, to different places around the world versus um, 
having only one experience in one small town in one view. And uh, this is something that uh, comes across a lot in tourism marketing or destination management or sustainable business as well. You want people who are trying to cater to visitors to be a visitor themselves and experience it on the other side. Do you, do you find this in your teaching or uh, in your interactions with people as you're trying to teach them to be better leaders about the worldview that people with more varied experience worldwide are able to hmm. understand the concept a bit better or it well, doesn't matter? Um, no. It depends on the person. And because as I said, you know, you can have really, really well exposed, really super experienced people who have very low self-awareness, right? Um, and simply because maybe they just haven't been asked the right questions and they haven't been maybe by circumstances forced to, um, to think about a few things. Do I have audio? Audio is fine. Yep. Okay. So, so. I would say the the quality of uptake <laughs> of this kind of thinking really depends on how to what extent a student is willing to lay bare their how open they are to the process and so in the beginning of the class um, and you know I as I as I mentioned I'm going to be connecting this year I'm going to be connecting leadership with sustainability I'm starting I'm launching a new course we haven't talked about sustainability yet not yet I, yeah that's <laughs> exciting I want to talk about that yeah so so you know sustainability is another so can I so let me connect back to your question we approach sustainability like we approach leadership with many, many assumptions and biases, like we approach anything else in life. And so the, my approach for the, the new course that will connect leadership to sustainability is let's try and clear our minds of some pre-existing assumptions we have about sustainability and try and apply this process of uh, thinking intentionally about sustainability and breaking it down to its elements and then putting it back together in a way that makes sense for us and how we can practice leadership in sustainability in our careers. And I want the students to understand that, of course, in the future, you know, up till now, we've thought about sustainability as something we want to consider in business models, as something we want to consider in the way our organizations work. Uh, but I think in the future, it's not like a consideration. It's an element. It's an integrated element. And we need to make that shift of mindset between, oh, yeah, I got to worry about the sustainability. Oh, I got to think about that. I got to make my targets. No, 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 no. We need to start again. And we need to think sustainably from the start. And I think that from what I see in my students who are, you know, 20 years younger than I, I see them doing, being able to do that so much more readily than I am. Okay. Are you still there? I'm still okay, here. Okay. 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 It's so hard without visual clues. I'm so sorry. I don't, no, I don't know. What's no, happening. I don't know what's happening either. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch on one more point from the worldview before we move on to values, which I think is so important as well. Um, so 
you have this slide here. Where does our worldview come from? I think we touched on it before. Does it come from your, what, what is the psychology term? Is it society or is it innate? Is it inherited, right? And you talk about, is it parenting? Is it education? Is it culture? But also relationships, experiences, crucibles. And you give the example from a survivor from the caves. Yes. That's really powerful. Yeah, it, I thought so too. I, I was just, it was in the middle of the summer, you know, what, what was it, three years ago when those kids got trapped in the in the uh, cave in, in Thailand. And, you know, of course, we were all watching it for days. And then, you know, um, the kids were able to get out. And then it, I... I saw just flashed over across my screen the CNN interview and I scribbled it down, you know, because I found it so impactful. And, and this, this young kid, I think what were they were 12 or 13 or something. And, and this kid said this, you know, and this is a personal crucible. This will be with him his entire life. And, and, and look at that second line, you know, I realized the value of my self, I, I can't, I mean, this kid has a head start in leadership like you would not believe <laughs> because, you know, and if, 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 if he can be cultivated, if he can cultivate himself and look at that, it may, it gave me strength. It made me hopeful. This is a leader's heart and mind talking here. This is, this is um, to realize the value of life. And, and I don't mean to sound, you know, too, um, too lofty, but, but leadership is lofty and 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 i it's very lofty and it's very practical at the same time that's why it's difficult so so i really want to give my students a sense of you're doing something really good when you try to be a good leader you're doing something good for the world when you're trying to lead well you're doing something really good and and it and there are going to be days when you fail of course, because now everyone thinks, you know, you're a good leader or a bad leader and it's binary. Everything's binary now, right? No, no, no. So, so it's, it's, you've got your good days and your bad days and just try to make the good ones maybe the majority <laughs> and then you're doing pretty well, I think. So, but in order to do that, you have to be a, just a very reflective person and learn from your experiences, learn from your relationships and your crucibles that you go through, like this example, process them, take the time to process them and talk to them with lots of people. Yeah, so important to have the core values, but always be taking on new information, always be open to stakeholders' insights and always reevaluating how you can be better is such good principles of leadership, right? Right. So values, like you'll you'll see another slide there with a bunch of arrows and values on them. And and what I try to you know go, try to go a little bit deeper on values. And values are ideals, right? Um, they're ideals for which we strive to stand. Um, and everyone says you've got to lead with your values. I mean, there are all kinds of statements like this. You know, I I want to lead with my values. Yes, that is right. That is a good. That is a good ambition. However, that's going to be really hard because, you know, unless you're, you choose, like, Joy, you just mentioned core values. Well, where do you get your core values? You know, do you, do you decide on them? Do, are they handed to you by someone? Are you, are, are you just taking a list that you think sounds good? Um, or are you really going to think this through? And so I 
do ask my students to think it through and identify, for example, conflict. So, you know, for example, I would say, you know, of course you may choose loyalty and honesty as two of your core values, but they are going to get you, you may, you may well face conflicts where you're going to have to choose between one of them. Same with justice, mercy, you know, passion, balance, um, generosity, you know, you, generosity, you know, I, I, I believe very strongly, you know, in, in, I, I lived in Sweden a long time. I want everyone to have what they need. I want that so desperately. I don't want anyone to struggle economically. You know, I believe in the welfare state. I believe in people having basic human needs so that they can begin to thrive and, and discover themselves and be happy and pursue happiness without worrying about economic constraints. I want that. But at the same time, you know, I, I've got a strong American streak where I also want people to be self-reliant and I want them to take responsibility for themselves. So, you know, these are two very, these are conf conflicting values that I have in myself. And we need to have really, really serious discussions with ourselves. Um, you know, and I talk to my students about it to try to help them work through that. But, but values are something, again, that another term that gets tossed around. And, uh, but it's actually quite problematic. And, and you see people um, struggling with values because they haven't been able to uh, really think through for themselves what does it mean when I practice this? Yeah. Um, the, the whole idea that a good leader is not always a good leader, a good leader still needs to work at it, I think is, for me, like after reading all of your notes and, and listening to you is like a key takeaway for me, um, is that we, we have this image that uh, some companies are good, some companies are bad, some leaders are good, some leaders are bad, but it's it's more than that. It's it's more about like we say in sustainability, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a it's an evolving situation. It's not necessarily black and white. Is that right? Absolutely. So leadership and sustainability are so similar in this way because they're both a work in progress. Uh, and we'll probably never feel like anyone who's really serious about leadership and wanting to be a good leader will never feel that they've mastered it. Right. And anyone who's really serious about sustainability and, and making our world more inclusive and our, our planet healthier is never probably going to feel that we have mastered this task. Right. So these are both very, very grand scale uh, works in progress. But the idea, and I'm glad you put up transcendent there, is because we need to think beyond our limits always uh, as leaders and as practitioners of sustainability. We are going to get smacked down all the time. <laughs> we're going to be told that what we're doing is useless. We're going to be told that we're having no impact. We're going to be told that our audience is not listening. Um, in both of those realms, leadership and sustainability. But we've got to triumph over negative or restrictive aspects. If there's something that we want to achieve, this sounds really corny, but we've, but I can't, honestly, like I've been studying leadership a long time now and I come back to this. I keep coming back to this because this is what makes us human. This is, this is, this is the humanity in us. This is what makes us imperfect. It's also what, what makes us able to change our experience as humans. It's being able to affect our situation. Uh, if, you, if you think about, you mentioned psychology, 
something that struck me so much in psychology is, you know, how do we know when we're depressed, right? How do we know when we're dispirited? And most symptomatic of that, I think, is this sense of, or that you have this conviction that there's nothing I can do to change my situation. And to me, you know, that that's quite heartbreaking existence. And I understand why that is a conduit to depression. Um, because it's a, it, it's same, it's so, um, it's hopelessness basically like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about this. And we really have to help each other through that kind of thinking. Um, we need to show each other our small wins, our big wins. We need to hold hands through <laughs> this process. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I, I can't help, um, yeah, going back to the fact that um, it's a choice, right? You know, we, we have to intentionally choose to do so. Yeah, that's so true. And, and how uh, before you were talking about followers versus leaders and the attributes that you want. And a good follower, someone who supports a leader, is someone who's honest but also supportive, so when when someone does something good and they say that was good and they kind of tell what the other stakeholders were thinking, kind of a, a connector to the leader, we need those kind of people to support oh, yeah. what we're trying to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, the best kind of follower is like your, your stakeholder whisperer, right? You know, like, hey, you know, let's say I'm the CEO, like, hey, Jody, you know, I, I think you misread that one. That's one of the best uh, services a follower can can give a leader, uh, and and kind of just that you know I, I think you're missing this um, is something that I try to instill in my students. And when I'm standing up there in front of the class, and I'm supposed to be this kind of oracle about leadership, which I I tell them right away I'm not, but I tell them, look, if there's something that I say that just doesn't strike you right tell me, you know, and we'll, and we'll go through it because I can misspeak, you know, I can, I can let my, my biases can creep in. Why, why wouldn't they, you know, uh, even th I've done this for, for, for 10, more than 10 years, but I, but I, 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 we, we cannot escape our biases. We cannot escape very, very fundamental early, uh, dimensions of our worldview. So yes, <laughs> is the answer. I like uh, this quote that you you had in your your lecture series that you sent me um, from Judy Garland, is it? Yes. So let me see if I can read it here. So always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of somebody else. Judy Garland. Yay. <laughs> so, so... I just don't want people to copy other people. And I want to talk about, you know, a couple of things here. So I'm, I'm glad you asked that because we're always being asked to find role models, right? And, you know, we may be asked to lead by example, right? Uh, which is, you know, be a role model to someone else. And again, you know, yes, that is good advice. But what does that really mean? Okay. Um, we want a role model to inspire us and to show us uh, what, what it means to be an authentic leader for that person, not for you. 
you want that person to show what it looks like to lead well. Ah, you look at so many things. Okay, that person is leading really well. Will I lead the same way? No, I will not because it's me. It's not that person leading, right? So that's I, I want I want people to to gain inspiration and 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 energy and good examples of leadership, but I don't want them to think that all they have to do is copy that and they'll be a good leader too, because that it works for that person because of who that person is. And that's what I love about this quote. It makes you realize it's not, it's not easy, but it's, it's also frees you to be yourself that you don't have to be exactly what that leader was like because you have your own qualities that you should bring to leadership. Is that right? Yes, you should feel liberated by yourself, not constrained, right? So so I actually think it's a lot of pressure. Like take writing, for example, right? So I spent most of my career writing down the ideas of others, right? Because I was working with economists and I was trying to kind of make what make their research um, kind of digestible for non-academic audiences. I did that for quite some time. So I was working with someone else's ideas. It was really tough. But just recently, I started writing my own ideas. <laughs> it's so much easier. So, so I think, you know, it's so much easier. It just flows out of me. And, and of course, I mean, I need to make it sound good. And there are other mechanics issues, of course, always. But, but the, the substance, the substance of your writing, the substance of your leadership, the substance of how you think you can create sustainability, that has got to come from within. Yeah. I was listening to a great podcast, uh, Green Connections Radio. If anybody likes podcasts, Joan Michelson does a great mm. podcast series. And one of the things she was talking to an expert in speeches, making speeches. And this expert was talking about the need to communicate clearly with stories to your audience. And of course, leaders have to be good speakers to their stakeholders, to their followers, right? And I, I see so much in that, in that same idea that if you can make a connection through your personal stories to your audience, to your followers, they're going to follow you more than if you just say amazing things or impressive things, right? So key. Yes. And I think, I think most any story can be connective. But if, if there's a lack of story, you know, if, if, there, if, if there's just a line of, you know, you should follow me because I want to do this, that, that, that's not going to get anywhere. I mean, that, that, like, I have this great idea, you know, join me. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, you know, look, I had this thought. I thought maybe this might be something that interests you. Would this be something that you'd be willing to sign on to? You know, and that's that's a very different conversation. And we let me mention this. You're asking me all the right questions, Joyce. So one one thing that I always tell my students is beware of style because leadership style 
Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's like adopted behaviors. Those are behaviors that you put on that you affect in order to convey a certain persona. And that may be called for sometimes. There are all kinds of situations like that in leadership that that may be called for, you know. Uh, but but please be aware this is adopted, affected behaviors, and they may not necessarily reflect who you are. And are you comfortable with that? So style, for example, if you if you sign up for like a leadership class and it tells you, okay, we're going to find your leadership style, you should run away. I tell my students you should run in the opposite direction because <laughs> and not pay because because they're going to focus on the wrong thing. They're going to focus on superficial um, techniques that. Um, may be valuable for something. I'm not saying they're, they're useless, but it's not leadership. It's style. Those are two different things. That's really interesting because the image of a leader is someone who has a, a kind of leadership persona. They, they uh, have a powerful image in front of a room. Um, but it's it's so much more than that. And that's really not the kind of leader you like to follow. You want someone with substance, someone who's going to walk the walk, not only talk the talk, right? Right. So one, one, uh, one thing I ask my students to do is to find examples of leaders talking about their vision that they find convincing. And, you know, they'll come up with all kinds of really cool YouTube videos on both sides, right? Like, like some will be like, wow, yeah, that, that guy, you know, he, he kind of, or she, you know, really speaks in a way that I, I feel good about and, and I feel that that can strike a chord in me. And this other person over here is, is kind of um, giving me a line. And it's, it's, it, it, it bears itself out in time. Right. Like anyone, it's over, it's leadership over time that's difficult. I mean, leading in the moment, you know, this like crisis management. Oh, she knew just what to do in the moment. That's great, you know, and, and, but, but how does that bear out over time? And, and is it, is it someone who can be versatile with all the different modes and, and frequencies that leadership is, that, that leadership over time is going to take from you? Wow. Yeah. So important. Um, we have seven minutes left. Uh, we haven't really talked specifically about what you're planning to do differently or how you're planning to develop this new sustainability in business course. Can you talk about that a little bit, how it differs from the kind of courses you've been doing so far? Sure. So, so my leadership course, you know, my, I, this year, I'm going to teach two courses. One is leadership development, which, you know, I think you have a sense of what that is. And then the other one is uh, leading for sustainability. So what we want to do is we're going to spend the first few, maybe there, there are about 12 sessions of the class, and we're going to spend maybe the first third getting getting fluent in the language of sustainability you know what what are the frameworks what are the issues what are the ways that we think about leadership uh, sorry sustainability what are the actors um, in the world and sustainability uh, what are you know the, the the how do we feel some how do, how can we feel authoritative on the topic of sustainability so that's what the first 
third of the course is going to be because um, I want everyone to kind of be have that and be on the same page for what comes next, which is we're going to look at sustainability of many different of different kinds. And we're going to have examples of people who are leading in sustainability. And that can be social sustainability, environmental sustainability in the field of finance, in the field of um, managing large organizations, uh, in efforts to um, rally um, international financial institutions. I mean, there are many, many. Being able to, to get somewhere and sustainability is going to take all, it's going to take a multi-pronged approach, right? It's going to take a lot of us doing all different kinds of things. And that's that's where the course will go. And then at the end, it will ask students to put it all together for themselves, right? What, is this, what does all this mean for their own career development? That's going to be so the, how we how we bring it to, to close and and it's a starting point, not an end point. Same for my leadership class. It's just a starting point because these are both uh, year-long, you know, lifelong pursuits. And, you know, I, I want to, them to get a sense of the many, many possibilities they have in terms of thinking about sustainability. There are many, many ways they can be, uh, they can make an impact. Yeah, great. Um, it's such a huge topic and, of course, connected to everything. Um, but continuing on with training future leaders and talking about SDGs, talking about how tactically or strategically you can put into place sustainable good strategies or best practices is, is great and definitely the way to train our future leaders. So I'm really excited for this new program you're developing. Are you launching it next year, is it? Yeah, I'll, I'll be teaching it next spring. And I, as you say, you know, I, I, I want it to be the start of many sustainability-related uh, activities going on at our business school. Um, and we are, um, I don't know if you know so, so much about Hitosfashi ICS, but we're very strongly rooted in uh, um, knowledge creation, which is rooted in Japan's uh, stakeholder model of capitalism. And so it's, it's that way of thinking about the role of corporations and corporate social contribution. And so for me, you know, sustainability is a natural focus for, for our school. So I'm hoping to build that out. And let me add that I have met just amazing people in Tokyo who are who are interested in this and who are active in this and who are leading in this in ways that I don't think I could. And and I am so grateful that that community is growing. And I think we need to organize ourselves somehow. So that's what I'm thinking about next, Joy. Yeah, that's very exciting. There's so much exciting enthusiasm for sustainable innovation happening in Tokyo, yes. um, which is hard for me because I'm not in Tokyo. And so <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a little bit all alone. But thanks to the wonders of technology, although we haven't had much luck today, no. uh, connecting to everybody online, doing this talk show series has been such a great way to connect no matter where we are in Japan or the world. So I'm very grateful. 
Yes, me too. I think, and you'll you'll have to come to Tokyo and hang out with us now and then. Uh, and um, I appreciate so much what you're doing. You're leading yourself, Joy. You're leading us in in talking and bringing all these people to you, and and being a convener for these all these conversations of various kinds. So, um, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's it's so. Common, I think, in in so many businesses or leaders or anything, to hear only the negative, right? So when when people like you just said something really positive and completely validified all of the time and effort <laughs> that I'm spending on this, it it kind of makes you emotional because you just don't hear it very much, you know, and and you don't want people to gush at you all the time. That's not what I'm saying, but no. It, no. It's like you, even if you're, and I feel like I am kind of in a leadership role because I'm trying to bring people mm -hmm. together. I'm trying to share ideas. Um, but it is, it is hard. You still wake up with this imposter syndrome where you think, am I really doing the right thing? And I'm putting my energy in the right direction. You know, it's really hard. Well, take it from me, you are doing the right thing. And also, I think, you know, this with positive feedback, um, and no, we don't want empty praise. And this also is a topic I cover in my class. No one wants, needs, uh, or benefits from empty praise. Uh, we want substantive, positive feedback that moves us forward. And I will, I will lead you, I will leave you with, um, a basic tenet of leadership that no one should ever forget. And that is that leadership is a forward motion. We are not moving backwards. We are always moving forward. It is not always direct. It may be, may be circuitous, but we are always moving forward. And that is the job of leaders to keep us all going. And that's something that we can, you know, collaborate on, right? Um, we're doing that together. And the, that's, um, I've, I've always find, found that inspiring. So let me leave the listeners with that one. That's fabulous. I love that. Moving forward. That's, that's always my goal, right? What, mm -hmm. what small way can I move forward proactively in some yes. way, even planting a, a positive idea of, of yes. better options yes. that you might, you might choose, right? Wonderful. Yes. Yes. And that's what you, as you know, that can make all the difference to someone. A, 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 a thoughtful comment can change so much in a person's existence day, week. Definitely. So if you have the chance to interact with anyone today, listeners, please say something productive and constructive, kind and honest but be good to other people be good to yourself i think that's a great tenet yes thank you so much jody oh. i'm so sorry we have the technical difficulties i'm glad it at least froze on a very flattering picture of you so we've been <laughs> we've been blessed by this picture when it comes through <laughs> thank you 
Thank you. I, yeah, you know, I actually, you know, I, I, I was hoping we might you'd see, actually see me in motion, but that's okay. Um, it's, it's really uh, my voice, so it's, it carries the carries oh. the message, not my face. So, um, anyway, uh, I appreciate so much the opportunity, and and keep keep do keep going. Thank you. I'd love to have you on again and work on this video feed so people can see you in action. But thank you so much for all your wonderful words and uh, the audio uh, from all of your teachings is, is so powerful. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful podcast for anybody listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Joy. Everyone have a great day. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining today. What was your favorite part? Why don't you write a question or comment below and I'll reply or I'll get the guest to reply as well. If you like this episode, I hope you'll share it with a friend or colleague and you can find out more about the work that I do on inboundambassador.com. Thanks so much for joining. Please take care. Have a great day.